Thank you for listening to the Alliance Church Podcast. We desire to connect you with God and one another, whether here in Wisconsin or around the world. Let's listen into this week's message. Well, good morning, Hortonville, joining us via the little screen back there. Good morning to anybody online. Join us from your pajamas or your living room. We, uh, we can't see you. Don't worry about it. You're fine. So, good morning, Appleton. Um, this is a cool Sunday for everybody to be joining us this morning. It's going to be a good one. Um, I don't know if people in Hortonville know this, but even this Appleton location is a relatively new location. We moved to this spot in 20. I'm sorry, in 2003, we had come from uh, right off Capitol Drive, Durkee Street, and I was actually the first person ever to cut the lawn at this location. And uh, it wasn't a lawn, it was a triple canopy Amazon jungle, and we (laughs) we did not have a zero turn, okay? We had a zero budget, and nothing limped like that deer that was really old, and just, you know, just trudging through. So the, what was hilarious was the grass was like this high while I'm on this thing in high school. I'm like in high school and I'm up this high. So the staff would look out the window and all they would see is this white dome, like this white melon out in the field, just moved like floating head on the, all these grass. And, and I, there was this moment, I remember like feeling like out in the fields, because like some of this property wasn't even built yet. So I remember just feeling out in these fields. I'm like, is this... Is this what it's like to be a farmer? You know, to till the land, you know, to be out with a big combine. And right as I'm like romanticizing just this idea of being a farmer, I'd like bump into a huge colony of possums and jam that thing up pretty quickly. And it was, that was a disaster and very unromantic idea of being a farmer. And I didn't like try to hit them. You know, you're, they're just in there and you don't know, you know, because there's tall grass. Anyway, I'm not a farmer. We've been over this a couple weeks now, and I'll, be, I'll move on now. But that was the closest I think I came to feeling the feeling of, of being out on the land. And in the ancient world, you had to. You had to know how to farm. You couldn't just, you couldn't just get by with Aldi Pickup or Walmart Plus. You had to know how to grow stuff. So the passage that we've been talking about the last several weeks here uh, that really inspired much of the 100x uh, thinking and multiplication that we're in uh, that we're talking about with our vision and the next chapter of this church. Uh, in many ways, it was Pastor Brandon Hillstead who pointed us to this passage in Luke chapter 8, where it says uh, that still some other seed, it says seed representing the gospel, Jesus telling a parable, fell on good soil and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. And every ancient reader would have known what good soil is. It's all the messy stuff, all the stuff that you and I would throw away or get rid of. Good farmers gather up that stuff, that compost, that fertilizer, and they scatter it all over the soil to make it rich, to make it good soil. Every ancient reader, every ancient listener would have known that's what Jesus is talking about. So if we're going to be a church, if you're going to be a family, if you're going to have a business, that is, that is going to be fruitful in the things that matter in the kingdom, in the things that are going to matter for eternity, you can't be afraid to move toward the mess. You actually have, you need it. You need it in your life. And the way we've been talking about it these last couple weeks has been in Luke chapter 6, where it talks about loving people 
who are hard to love. It's not that people are fertilizer or people are the mess. It's that loving people that are hard and difficult is messy. It's a messy thing. And Jesus expects us to not delete those relationships or get rid of those people or, or avoid those people. He actually calls us to move toward them in love. And the word love is a verb in this section. In fact, the whole section is, of pa- this whole passage is fleshing out what that word love actually means. It's a Greek word for the word love. It's the word agape. It's never associated with uh, romantic feelings, um, warm fuzzies. It's always associated with suffering, pain, sacrifice. That's, that's this word. So when Jesus says to love your enemies, bless those who persecute you, give to those in need, he's fleshing out what this verb love, agape love, looks like and what it means. So we're going to read this passage again. And just as a reminder, you know, there's, you don't, don't oversimplify Jesus. You can love somebody and not trust them. You can love your enemies and not trust them. That's a wise thing to do. Don't, don't, don't go around trusting people. Trusting people should be earned to some degree. So you can love people and not trust them. Sometimes the most loving thing you can do is put up a boundary between you and somebody. That's kind of what, there's, there's, a, there's a Hebrew idiom in here. It says, if someone slaps you on the cheek, turn the other, offer them the other cheek also. That, what it's saying there is, it's, is basically, that's not violence, that's not physical, it's an idiom. It means if somebody insults you, don't let them keep insulting you, put up a boundary, don't let them keep hitting the cheek, turn it, but be available for reconciliation. That's what it is. Don't write them off and cut them out of your life, but be available for reconciliation. Put up a boundary, but be open to maybe God healing that relationship. So, so you gotta, don't oversimplify this text, okay? So let's read it. Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 27. But to those who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. So the kind of love that's being fleshed out in this passage that we're going to talk about today is the giving kind of love. There's a really specific set of examples in here of the kind of giving that is truly loving. Uh, And and it meets some criteria. The first criteria is these are people who are not going to pay you back. Uh, These are people who will not appreciate how much it costs you. (laughs) They won't appreciate it. Again, you're getting nothing in return. They will not be able to thank you in proportion, like a proportionate amount of gratitude to what it costs you to help them out. And they will not increase your social standing. You're not going to get something. You're not going to get likes on the Instagram for this. There's no value being brought to you. Am I describing your kids to you this morning? (laughs) 
<laughs> maybe, just, maybe just mine. Um, so you're not going to get anything out of this relationship. And it's going to cost you. This is expensive. You know, sometimes we even, sometimes we'll do this. We, we will do something generous or nice to somebody because it will make us feel better about ourselves. Maybe we'll get some people to notice and they will uh, give us some, some kind of approval. And even that, even if you do something kind for the needy or the poor and you do it for those reasons, really, you're actually doing it for yourself. You're not really loving. Loving is always other-oriented. You're not really loving them. You're actually loving yourself when you, when you give that way. But here's what we learn about this passage. Jesus is deeply concerned about the same concern you have in this passage. He seems to be really concerned about wasting money. I mean, what does he keep repeating? Uh, what credit is that to you? Where's the reward in that? Uh, do this, and then your reward will be great. Jesus wants the same you, thing you do. He wants this richly rewarding investment. He is concerned about that. That desire in you to not waste your time, your talent, or your, your treasure. We always use those kind of phrases to describe money, our, our skills and abilities, even our schedule. Jesus is deeply concerned about what you're concerned about. He put that concern in you. He wants it to be fruitful. He wants it to be a good investment. But he wants it to be a truly, like in, in the most real and true sense of the word, a reward. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus breaks this down even further. And he says this. He says, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. There is a reward for that, but that's it. It's just people's approval. And, and let me just tell you, as someone who has struggled with this and still, I'm not gonna, well, I'm not gonna pretend, still struggles with this. When, when you feed the appetite of, of, of people's approval and wanting it and getting it. When you feed that, like any appetite in your life, it doesn't, it doesn't shrink. Appetites don't shrink when you feed them. They get satisfied, but they don't shrink. They get bigger. You need more of whatever you're feeding that appetite to satisfy that appetite. And the more you feed it, the bigger it gets. And at some point, that appetite for people's approval gets so big, it eats you. It eats you. And, and you've heard the phrase before, if you, if you live by people's approval, you will die by their criticism. It, it'll, it, it'll be so painful. That is not a reward at all. God wants you to be rich. So the, the question is, do you want to be rich or do you want to be rich? You know, this is, this is really the question. There, you can be rich in some, you can have some reward, right? There's a reward for people seeing you do good works or whatever it is, that people's approval, that's some kind of reward. But is it really a reward? Is it actually helping your life? Is it gonna help you flourish and bring true contentment that lasts? No. Do you wanna be rich or do you wanna be truly rich in the, in, the, in the context of the kingdom and things that really matter? You know, this is why anonymous acts of generosity are so powerful. You know, um, when you do something kind or generous for people, I, I've been on the receiving end of these things, and I, I wish I could meet you, and I know that's not going to be the point. I'll find you in heaven. 
but I wish I could meet you and tell me how timely those are. If you've ever been on the receiving end of something like that, you don't even know what to do. There's no name to thank. There's no one to go to. So what do you do? You just kind of do one of these. God, thank you. You just, it compels people to worship God. And when you do something that is anonymously kind and generous, you know what you're doing? You're saying, this one's for you, God. This one's for you. There's no way I can get anything out of what I just gave. This one is to make, to bring you joy, Lord. That's what it is. This one's for you. You know, a few things in my life have filleted my, my inner peace and um, my, my inner life faster than secret sin. Secret sin will, will hollow you out. But few things have been more healing in my life and more profoundly good in my life than secret generosity. Secret acts of of worship to the Lord and kindness. This is why prayer, prayer is like the one thing you can do that no one will ever know if you did it because you're just just praying to God in, in your private prayer is like the one thing that's only, you can tell people you do it, but if you don't do it, you don't do it. Prayer is, is that one thing that just is with the Lord. And over and over again in Scripture, God says, I am in the secret places. You want to find God? This is where you're going to find him, in the secret places, the secrets. So that's the first kind of giving. But the second kind of giving that's in here is, so, is related. It's, it's so similar, and they're, they're connected to each other. And it's called forgiveness, forgiving they're very similar. You know, giving is described in here is when someone takes something or some, you lend something to somebody and there's now a debt and they have to pay it. And when they don't, when you lend to somebody who doesn't pay it back, um, there's a payment that you're out. You know, you're out whatever you lent them. You're out the coat. You're out the 10 bucks. You paid You had to pay a price. And in forgiveness, the forgiver always, always has to pay. Forgiveness is absorbing the pain instead of inflicting it. When when people inflict pain on you, when someone hurts you, there is a payment that that has to be made. Meaning you can pay them back pain, which Jesus says is off limits. That's revenge. You're supposed to trust that with the Lord. So there's inflicting pain, which is off limits for Christians. If you haven't signed up to follow Jesus, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're watching this right now and you're not a follower, go ahead and live however you want. But if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, he says that that's off limits for Christians. So what has to happen is you have to absorb the pain. There's a cost there's a payment of forgiveness. It hurts. And I just want to say, maybe you just need to hear this. Maybe this is healing to you. You're not a second-class Christian because it hurts to forgive somebody because it is painful. That's a cost. Jesus is telling you there's a cost to it. Um, Jesus gives us the ultimate picture of this on the, on the cross, the payment of the cross. And it's in Luke chapter 23 is this particular moment. Jesus is being led to where he's going to be crucified. And it says this in verse 33. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. And Jesus said, 
Father. Forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. They divided up his clothes by casting lots and says the people stood watching. The rulers even sneered at him. They said, if he saved others, let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. This is the picture of forgiveness. This is how you treat people who crucify you. This is the, it's how you treat people who are sneering and insulting, at, insulting you. You forgive them in real time live, while it's happening, before they have come to their senses yet, before they have asked for it. Listen, the whole earth is sinking into hell with people sitting on their porch waiting for someone to come and ask for forgiveness. And, and what God's telling you, what, what Christians are to do is to go out and forgive. This is how radical this is. This is giving forgiveness before people realize that they even need it. As they're doing it, as they're insulting you, you are forgiving. That's the kind of forgiveness that we're called to, that Jesus models for us at the cross. And he, go, he explains it in Mark chapter 11. Listen to that. Listen how radical. This, this verse is so violent on the world's thinking of forgiveness. Listen to this, Mark chapter 11, verse 25. When you stand praying, when you're worshiping God, praying, if you hold anything against anyone, justifiably so, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Forgiveness for the Christian is aggressive, it's assertive. Like you're, you're tearing through things to get to that person. You're tearing through pain. You're tearing through stuff to go and assert. It's assertive. It's not passive. It's not reactive. You're not waiting for them to come to their senses. If you're praying and you're with God and you realize that someone has offended you, stop what you're doing and go deal with it. Go forgive them. That sounds impossible to some of you this morning. Like, where do you get that ability to do, where does that come from? That is expensive. People will rack up a debt in your life. And, and, and some of you are thinking, Pastor Brian, I have no idea where I'm going to get the spiritual capital to pay for that. Because that's what it is. You, you either inflict pain, that's one option, that's the bitterness and the revenge thing, or you pay it. My, my dad always puts it this way, take the hit. You have to take it. There is a hit. There is no going around this in forgiveness. You can't skip it. You, you have to pay that. And some of you are looking at your account and you're going, I don't have it to forgive that person. And here's the problem. And I'm going to tell you why, why you're stuck in this area. And this, we're going to go here, could be a moment of breakthrough for some of you that you've been waiting for, that God made an appointment with you today to deal with. The reason you are struggling to forgive is because you have not allowed yourself to be crushed under the weight of God's forgiveness for you. 
You can't. No, I get it. When you say, I can't forgive him, I believe you. You can't because you look in the account and there's nothing. And you cannot give anything more than that which you receive and allow yourself to receive from God. You can't cover the debt of others until you have taken the check that God wrote you on that cross. He wrote you a check and it's, he's handing it to you and you just never grabbed it. You've never signed it. And so you're sitting in your bank account and you're like, I'm supposed to forgive this person? I'm supposed to take the hit and pay that? And I can't, I got nothing. And what, what, what I wanna invite you to do this morning, we're gonna give you some time to do this. It's just too important to allow your heart to just open up a little bit wider to receive the forgiveness of God. Some of you, it was in like your teenage years. Like everything was okay, but something happened in your teenage years that you did that was wrong, some kind of sin that you know you know it was wrong. And then you lied about it, and then you kept lying about it, and you're still lying about it, and now you're stuck. There's no more forgiveness that can get to you because you're just not receiving it here. Some of you, it was in college. You did something in college. You hurt somebody in college, and it got stuck your amount of forgiveness from God is stuck there. Some of you, it was your first marriage. You just can't forgive, you just can't receive, you're like, I can't receive any forgiveness for what I did to end that marriage or what happened or some relationship in your life and you're stuck. And I get it. It's no, it's no wonder, it's, it's no wonder why you can't pay out when people rack up a debt in your life because you have not allowed yourself. You are drinking in the forgiveness of God for your life through a straw. And you can't hand it to anybody else. And, and I just want you to get a picture for a second, just for a second, of what it took, the, the, the expense. I mean, whatever expense, whatever amount of spiritual capital youth believe would be necessary to make somebody who has racked up a lifetime of sin on their rap sheet, of selfishness, of unholy, unclean thoughts, hurting people, making, making, using people as a means to an end, whatever amount of wickedness and evil would be in a garden variety, normal human life over a lifetime. All of that. And then exchange that for a person who is perfect, sinless, and deserving of eternal bliss and relationship with God, their maker, for all eternity. Whatever the cost is that you think would close that, would close the gap from a wicked, normal, broken human sinner to a perfect, sinless, holy person who lives in perfect harmony, nothing between them and God, nothing, no sin, no unconfessed issue, no awkwardness, perfect, holy unity with God in eternal bliss forever and all eternity. Whatever you think the price is to close that gap, Jesus cut that check on that cross. And he hands it to you. And some of you have just let it sit there. So what we're going to do here in the next five, six minutes or so, is I'm going to invite some musicians to come out and just, we prepared something just to play that's 
really a distraction-free um, time, these next five minutes, because there's a couple people in the room right now that cannot leave here until they do business with God. For the first group of people, and this is in Hortonville and online, I want to, don't turn this off, stay where you're at. I, I want to give you some time. Don't just skip through this. This, is, this could be the most important part of the sermon. Like I, I, as a preacher, I'm always like, God, would, would your word and people's encounter with you, would that be the most impressive part of the half hour? Would that be the most impressive moment? So that's this, okay? This next five minutes or so, there's a couple people in the room. The first are people that they just need to, they just need to receive from God. You're on empty. You, you have got nothing left to give for all the people that have been racking up debts in your life. Maybe it's been death by a thousand cuts, just little things that everyone's around you. You're just in a situation. It's brutal and hard, and you're like, how am I going to absorb this pain? There's so much in me that wants to just inflict it. I can't. You just need to receive right now. And just take time to be in the presence of God. He's the closest thing to you at any given point in your life. Just be with him and receive. That, that's some of you. The, the other uh, people in the room are ready to give. They're, they're tired of being rich, and they want to be rich. <laughs> like, the reward that really matters when, when this is all said and done. The only way you can take your money with you, the only way you can take your time with you when you die, is if you invest it in things that God thinks are important investments, that the Creator cares about, His investments. And so I want to give us time to do the 100x commitment right here. And, and, I'm, and we're going to take five minutes. Some of you have already done it. So if you've already done it, I've got something for you to do. There's two websites right below me here. Pop up on the screen. If you've already done the 100x commitment, you've already submitted a name we can pray for, registered for one of the opportunities to serve our neighbors. If that's already been the case, pull out your phone. And I just would love for you to just, just scroll through the Our History section of what God's been doing here. You need to spend some time just worshiping God for how he has used your time, your prayers, your generosity. I had the team put together a whole bunch of stuff that we've seen God do just in the last few years. That's your, that's your time, this next five minutes. But for those of you that here that haven't done the 100X commitment yet, here's what I want to say. I, I just believe that what's across the border from you planting a seed in this church, in good soil, is a harvest a hundred times over what you could ask or imagine. I believe that. And it's too important for us to just let busyness be the reason that we didn't do it. I just forgot. I forgot to register for that thing. I forgot to send in my, my goal financially, what I'm praying over. I forgot to send him a name of somebody that you know, so I, I want to just walk you through this again, and I want to give you the five minutes of time to do it. And this is what it is, 100X commitment. It's one step in three areas. The first is a name. It's, it's a first name only or initial. If you don't want to do first name, just do initial. God knows who they are, but it's somebody that you love, that you care about, that does not know Jesus. And your local church is going to partner with you in banging on heaven's door on their behalf and praying for them. That's what it is. It's one name, just one first name only. The second part, the second step is in the area of serving our neighbors. 
our team went out and made a bunch of phone calls to dozens of community organizations and other churches. And we, added, we asked them November 3rd and November 4th, what do you need? They told us what they need. We wrote it all down. And then we realized we added it up. It was 800 things. That might, it's 800 opportunities to serve in the Fox Cities. I think it's like, that's all of the things that need to be done in the entire Fox Cities on those two days. And I signed our church up for it because we're good for it. We can do it. We're only about 100 or so away. So register for one of those. We're almost there. Today's the last day to do it. If you've already registered, you can pick up your packet on the way out here. It's got all your info in there. But today's the last day to register. We got to close it. It's 100 more to go. We can do it right now. And then lastly is, is the financial commitment. I, um, I put it like this. It's just a step. It's just take a step. I'm not asking for a number. That's between you and the Lord. That's, that's your business with God. It's just a step. So here's what I would say. If you've never given to the church before, you've never given to local church before ever, and this is your home church, then my invitation to you is just take one step. Give one time. Just give one time and then stop right there. That's it. That's your one step. Just give once and you took a step. If you've given once before, occasionally, consider giving regularly. You subscribe to Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus, you might as well give regularly to your local church. And then if you give regularly, consider tithing. Tithing's a biblical concept. It's 10% of, your, of your, all that you make, all your income is 10%. Consider that. And if you think that's a bad deal, let me just imagine this for a second. If someone came up to you on the street and they said, hey, listen, I'm gonna supply you with everything you need in your life. I'm, I'm gonna take care of it. I'm gonna take care of work. I'm gonna take care of everything. I'm gonna give you everything you need in your life. I just asked for 10% back. If someone came up to you and said that, would you think that's a bad deal? <laughs> I don't think that's a bad deal, but that's what God does. He's, God says, I'm gonna take care of you. You can trust me with your whole life. You can trust me with your kids. You can trust me with your job. You can trust me with everything. Give 10% back. That's a biblical concept. And if you give 10%, just pray what God could give or what God would put in your heart to give above and beyond that. And then what you do is you add that up over two years and you'll put that in the form. That helps us plan. And don't worry if you're like, what if I don't hit it? What if I don't hit that number over two years? We have people way smarter than me who figure out in percentages of what's gonna work and percentage of people that won't be able to meet that commitment. That's okay. It's a prayerful goal. That's all it is, it's just a prayer. It's like, Lord, I'm hoping for this. So fill that out if, if you want to be in the category of a giver. Some of you need to be a receiver in this moment. Some of you, God's invite, God, you've been buried under that eternal gap that was closed between you and God on the cross and you're ready to give and just do that. And some of you have already done it. I just want you to worship during this time. Just enjoy the Lord. So we're not pausing the worship service to do this. We are worshiping during the worship service. We worship by giving, we worship by receiving, and we worship by celebrating. Take some time to do that.